Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name is Dilta Doherty and in this podcast series, I will be interviewing investors, advisors, entrepreneurs and recruiters who are based all over the world and we will be discussing how to set up, scale and operate a world-class recruitment company. Today's episode is an old interview that myself and Hisha Mizu from Huxo Media did. So whenever I was looking to start this podcast, I jumped on his podcast for practice. And, you know, he, he was able to tell me, look, you know, why don't you try use the Anchor app? And, you know, this is how this is how I do it. And so anyway, went on, had a good chat with uh, Hisham. And at the time, I think he was doing it out of his bedroom and he was a recruiter somewhere. But uh, since that, um, he's now a full time recruitment marketeer. And the podcast is now part of the Huxo, the Huxo brand. Um, so this week I'm going to head into London and we're going to do another podcast. And I'm not sure what we're going to discuss. Probably a lot of the people that we've interviewed on our podcast over the last six months. Um, so hopefully we can add a bit of value and you guys can take some of the lessons that, that we learned and and yeah so here this interview is hisham asking me about my own kind of recruitment story and all the rest and probably goes into a bit of detail of uh when i worked in australia and canada and how we set up our business from guatemala uh, before moving back to europe all right so anyway thought thought it might be interesting for you and we will let you know later on in the week once we get the part two finished in London. All right. Take care. Have a wonderful Christmas. The Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is a show where I bring to life the true failures, the true learnings, and the true successes of recruiters and recruitment business owners. Today, I'm joined by Dorta Doherty, who has been in recruitment for over seven years. And for the last three years, he has been running his very own rec-to-rec business with his wife. It all starts with just the both of them in a service department based in Central America. After cashing in their first few invoices, they then moved to the UK and grew their team. They now help 360 agency recruiters move internationally, including locations such as the USA, Asia, Australia, Dubai, New Zealand, and Ireland. I hope you enjoy our conversation. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm really good. I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate your time. As, uh, as you know, daughter, I've, uh, I've put a sort of short snippet together about, about your career so far. And I love your story. <laughs> I know you recently did a blog post for me as well recently. And I, I was just fascinated about sort of how you started and something I was super, super curious about. So hopefully I'll pronounce this right, daughter. But how did you end up starting your business in Guatemala, yeah? Is that How the hell did that happen? <laughs> and that must have been difficult. It was a random series of events. Um, 
myself and my wife and business partner, Charlotte, mm. we were in Australia for a few years in recruitment. I was uh, with Robert Walters and she was, uh, she was internally with a couple of major corporations. And, and we had a great time. And all of a sudden the market started turning. The iron ore price changed. Yeah. And we just decided, you know, maybe we should go to North America and give that a try. <laughs> so I love that. We had a bit of a, we, we decided we would travel for six months, but we're kind of, we're busy people. So we decided to set up a resume writing business. And okay. So CV we, writing, yeah? CV writing. Nice, and that's nice, sharp. Nice. So Charlotte's talent, really. Um, really. So that could be based anywhere, can't it? So I get, I guess, why that that would make sense and work. Yeah, and and that there taught us like a lot of skills of how to set up a business and how to brand sure, it, how to market sure. it, how to do a website. So we did that, and we we had a great time traveling around Asia, and we went home for Christmas. Amazing. And we were we were sitting we were sitting around and thinking, where where do we go next? We still had four months to go before Charlotte's visa came through for uh for canada because you get a working holiday visa to go okay. there initially and we we ended up doing what's called the gringo trail in uh central america and our favorite place was antigua guatemala okay and um, so so we so we, we 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 lived there we had a good time and then after a couple of months we decided okay now it's time let's go get the heads on get jobs in canada and do that so we went so, to canada. yeah so we went to Canada and to Calgary, and uh, and we thought, oh, we're gonna we're gonna have you know a real easy time like we did in Australia, but uh, the oil price uh, decided to really shut the bed, wow. and that uh, that put both our jobs in danger. So we had a tough co- like ten months in Calgary, trying to I was trying to manage an IT recruitment team, and wow. Char- Charlotte was trying to find the right internal gig. She ended up working internally for NES Global Talent, um, and they decided to get rid of a third of their workforce. So, oh, wow. as soon as she was almost hired, she was made redundant. Oh my! So it was a really tough time, and we—I remember we were sitting around in—it was March or April, and it was snowing outside, and I was just—I <laughs> was just like, "Job's not going well. It's snowing." Like, what are we going to do? And Charlotte said, "Well, when were we? When were we most happy?" And then, good question of... to ask. What a great question to ask. I, I love that. Sorry, but go on. That was a great question. And and we both kind of said, "Look, we we were most happy when we were working for ourselves, and 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 living in Guatemala." Love so, that. So so we we cancelled we cancelled a few meetings. One with the mortgage broker one with a visa immigration specialist and one with uh, somebody who was trying to sell us a house there. We packed our bags and... Uh, and you we went left, there. Amazing. We, we, left from, we left for Guatemala. I love and that. Luckily, we had a corporation set up already um, from the resume writing business, so that yeah. carried us through. So, so yeah, we, we set up from Guatemala and that was, uh, that was it. We got a service department. Amazing. And, hmm. I think that, honestly, I love that story and I know I've already highlighted it, but I think... When you ask, when you ask those types of questions, they're so it's so powerful because you find you'll find the answer, but you you have to ask the question, and uh, yeah, I, I I absolutely love that story. So something that oh, I, I was very curious to ask, daughter, because some people's worst nightmare would be to work with their wife. <laughs> yeah. So how have you found that? It seemed that obviously you guys 
I don't know. How how do you find that balance of relationship or and and work? How how does that work? Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, so I I suppose it's a pretty good question. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's an ongoing thing, but it, yeah, it, I'll be curious. It, it is. So I I gotta. She's good at everything. I'm not. Nice, so, nice. Like, so recognise that. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be hard. I'm, I'm pretty useless at the stuff she's good at. So, like, <laughs> she's highly organised. She is really good at administration, and you know, and and I and I'm kind of more of an agency recruiter. You know, I sure I, I, I'm good at that. I'm good at the sales. I can do the strategy, I, but I, I kind of need somebody like her in the background to to knit some of the the stuff together. Or, or else I'll just end up chasing the next deal and not taking care of the infrastructure, really. Um, but I think we've always had a plan that Charlotte would eventually probably go on to do her own thing. And she's retrained as a yoga teacher. She's ex- she's We've had a child and she's expecting our second child in July. And we've, uh, we've itemized her skill set and then hired two people to fill her role. that we had a computer says no moment didn't we yeah we did so apologies so as you as you were saying you've now so you've now got two people to replace your your wife in in the position that she does yeah she comes in once a week and tells us all what we're doing wrong <laughs> but, uh, for for the most part uh yeah if I, i've got two assistants that uh that handle a lot of the back end uh, sourcing and scheduling of interviews and uh, just supporting me in, in everything that we do really. Sure so I think sort of to sum that up and what you just said I think it's it's about both of you just being sort of recognising what your strengths and weaknesses are and not sort of being the person who's trying to think that you're the best at everything <laughs> basically don't let that get in the way and uh, work out sort of how you can best collaborate I guess um yeah 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 i think that's a that's a that's a nice way to put it mm. um and you know with the aim that she was always going to do something else in the future so cool so look daughter so correct me if i'm wrong so the the so you're in the rec to rec business now yeah that that's that's your business yeah we've yeah. been doing that for three years we essentially just moved uk and irish recruiters abroad and home again australian recruiters abroad Basically, anywhere where there's a UK-owned recruitment business that's uh, that's setting up a foreign entity, we're, we're doing okay. business. So, something I wanted to ask you exactly around that. So, thank you for sharing that. So, how? So, because for me, I I only have clients and I work with businesses in the UK. Mm-hmm. So, how difficult do you find the servicing these clients who aren't based in the same country as you? I don't know how how do you how do you deal with that? Um. Well, I suppose because all our all our clients are they're they're not that dissimilar. A lot of them have headquarters in the UK. Okay. Um, and I've been a, an agency recruiter in Australia, so I 
I, firstly, I got to know that market really nice. well. And I've, I have a lot of friends who are now senior managers or own their own companies. And that was quite an easy, an easy in. Um, another thing of what we would have done is, like, because I worked for Robert Walters, Michael Page are quite similar. Yeah. We ended up working with both of them, especially Page, around the world at the very start. And that there kind of was a nice, easy intro into different marketplaces. And as our, uh, as our business grew, um, our clientele definitely changed to the high growth, medium sized businesses. Okay. No, it's interesting. I think there's nothing, I think the best way to sort of one sort of really understand your clients, etc., is to experience it yourself. So the fact mm-hmm. that you can sort of lean on sort of what you experience and all that m- must help you when you're speaking to, to recruiters who, who are looking to, to make the move over there. Yeah. I mean, I- Working for Walters for three years and doing that within IT um, really did give me a good a good view on on how how a busy aggressive room works and like how a really successful room works. And when I was in Canada, like it, it just it just it just didn't work out for me. Sure, you know, I, jo- I joined a boutique and I took on a project that was too big and the market didn't work. So, uh, and I probably went in thinking I was invincible because I, I had such a good time. <laughs> In, in Australia and I think both those experiences have kind of shaped the direction of our business and how we deal with people and how we advise, advise them moving forward. That, that, that's interesting that's interesting so what so look, if I'm a if I'm a recruiter based in the UK and I'm looking to go I'm super interested in having the lifestyle in Australia um, mm-hmm. or other countries what 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 are the challenges that I face in, in getting into that market then? daughter what yeah how does that work so each country has its own unique challenges um the the i suppose if if we were to quickly blast through a few of them australia used to be easy you could easily like it was so simple just to get the get the working holiday visa anybody could sponsor they were even giving you a living away from home allowance on top of your salary when i first went it was it was just a great it was just amazing now you need at least three years experience and a relevant degree and the billings that they're asking for in in UK numbers are unrealistic. So they've changed the laws. uh, The immigration laws have changed. So the companies there are trying to figure out a way around it. But as, as of the last four months, our business has switched uh, from, from Australia to America. Wow. It's completely shift. Cause I, one of the first episodes I didn't hear, Daughter, you may listen to it, I, I spoke to an Australian-based rec and he told me exactly same what you just said, but what I didn't realise was that the majority of, um, well, from his experience, the majority of the, the recruiter market in Australia was made up of people from the UK. So that, what, must, that, yeah. that must be super difficult then, if obviously, yeah, these changes mean that what you just said there. So that, 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 that's a big problem. It, it, it's definitely a problem. For, for them over there but you know they just have to find a way to entice their own graduates in and uh and improve the image of the industry over there it's uh, sure. it, when i was there it was very much it, it was an expat job um and we, there was a few managers in the business that were australians but everybody was from the uk or Ireland. Sure. um but yeah so, so so you've now pivoted to usa so how does that how does that work with the usa market then well, the U the U S is really flying. You know, I mean, fees are high. The 
all the, the ambitious UK companies right now are, uh, are setting up there. And a lot of them are following the lead of what S3 did over there in terms of how they've worked and all the rest. And a lot of previous leaders of S3 have gone and set up companies like Faden International and Oliver James and large, large firms like that. And they're, gro- they're growing rapidly across wow. the States. And there, uh, there's a great demand for UK recruiters. Um, and that's a whole other kettle of fish. Why, 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 why is there such a demand for UK recruiters? Surely there must be some in America. Mm. But, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And it just comes down to culture and the way the businesses are run, really. Yeah. So how does it work? Because I'm just curious myself, because I thought America would be difficult as well. So how does it work visa-wise and stuff? Is it a, the sponsorship piece again, or is it, how does that work? Yeah, so a UK-owned recruitment company can put you on an E2 visa if you're from the UK, and they can put you on an E3 visa if you're from Australia. If you don't have a degree, it can be tricky, but it's not impossible. If you don't have over two years' experience, it can be tricky. Your, your previous experience will probably need to be within the industry that you're working. If you're looking to change desks or disciplines, that can also be tricky. Mm. Um, nobody knows the exact requirements. Um, every company is kind of trying to do their best to not get flagged and to do it the right way. And it, it, like we have, we have so many people that try and get through the process and it's really only the best recruiters that get through it. Sure. Okay. That, that, that's super interesting. So look, daughter, what I wanted to ask you again, sort of referring back to the, the recent blog post you, you kind of did for me. One of the things that I, that really stood out for me, which I found super interesting was that you've intentionally created an inbound strategy for, that's for right. your business. Yeah. So, I think two questions around that, because I think obviously, as I'm sure you're aware, um, the traditional way is um, blast the phones, email, job boards, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And very, very um, proactive. Um, yeah. And I know inbound is also proactive, but obviously, I mean, a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we get more inbound leads? So how, how have you gone about creating that and, and what prompted that? How have you ended up there sort of thing? Um, it's a really good question. Hopefully we have enough time to go through it all. <laughs> you, don't have to uh, give, you don't have to give all your secrets away, but I think just no. the core, because I think it's super interesting that you've taken that approach. And I think it, and I think it's, it's I think it's, it's a great approach. And I think where a lot more recruiters are, are going to have to really understand how to create an inbound strategy. So that, that's why I'm curious about it. Yeah, I, I suppose how it came about is, you know, doing cold calling and that is quite disheartening. And, <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> and, and like, we can all pretend that we like it and all the rest, but nobody likes being rejected. And if you do, you're a sociopath. Like there's, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's, and it's tough, right? And yeah, it, yeah. there is, now, I have done it for years and there is a thrill when it comes right and you get something you weren't expecting. I suppose we, we try to develop a strategy to, to not, not have to do that. And I think, the first thing you need to do is to be in a market where it's a really candidate short market. So, you know, if you have the candidate, you'll get the job. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is we do a lot of destination recruitment. So um, I suppose a lot, of, a lot of what we do is explaining the process and 
narrowing down the location that suits the suits the individual and the desk that, that suits sure. them and and showing our own experiences and i suppose bringing all that onto linkedin and creating a creating a marketing strategy that uh that gets enough views on posts and in, and in turn turns into conversations with the best recruiters and i suppose the whole other process of you know, I've got 30,000 connections on LinkedIn. Charlotte's got 30,000. Our, our, both our assistants have five to 10,000. And, you know, we're constantly on, they're, they're all constantly on it, you know, with mm. images, with posts, with, with, direct, with direct messaging uh, to people. And then I, 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 write, I write a bit of, a, a bit of content and, uh, and, and that's it, I suppose. No, it's not, no, I think, I think, I think the way you, yeah, I think, I think there's no secret sauce, is there? It, it really is a mixture of a whole load of things, but I think it, it's interesting your, your mindset I, to that. I think in simple terms, if you're connected with 50,000 of your target market and you write something, a statement that creates a juxtaposition where people argue or people debate or maybe, maybe it's something that people don't agree with and that in turn gets 100,000 views, and a lot of that is within your target market. When it become, when it, the next thing that you post will come in their feed as well. Yeah. And, and then they'll start to see you. And then I think ultimately what you're trying to do is to create trust. And this is a wanky word, but the word is, is thought leader. Yeah. And uh, not that, I, not that, I, not that, I, I mean, there's only, there's only you're not one saying great, that you're a No, de fine. definitely, definitely not. But <laughs> cre creating creating that trust without yeah. pretending to be Greg Savage is uh, is what what most rector good rector should be trying to do on on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's brand, isn't it? It's brand, and I think I think for me, my my view on it, daughter, is that um, I think it's got to be a mixture of both. Um, I think that obviously there's a lot of people out there who who don't have any inbound strategy at all. So uh, I think that for me, because I know that I um, do both in terms of cold calling, emailing, and then also I'm always trying to obviously generate um, and sort of put out there content, which I know gives value to the people that I'm looking to connect with. And uh, I think, yeah, 100% you marry those up and it seems like you're doing a lot more of the marketing. You're, you're completely right. Uh, and just, just to your last point there, it's perception is reality. That, 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 that's what it comes down to at the end of the day and when you know your stuff and you know that you're coming from the right place um, that, that's where the trust comes from and, and if you're consistent that, that, that's what it's all about so I mean a quick question then daughter because look you've been in recruitment for, for, for a long time I mean you're clearly using it now and leveraging today's tools but how do you see social and, and social media sort of impacting the, the, the industry as a whole over the next sort of five years how do you see that? Do you? do you know i i, I don't know um <laughs> i i i think it's uh it, it's obviously only going to going to cre increase but i think with the gdpr coming in um i'm gonna just stop I, i'm gonna stop a lot of my email campaigns oh yeah um, you do a lot of email marketing we used to do a bit i would never say i was great at it yeah. and it was part of the process that that we did and i think I think if, if if there's something that we could have really improved, it would have been our email marketing. Okay. But but now when I look at it, I just think as soon as you connect with somebody on LinkedIn, 
the next thing I seem to get is a spam email. And, you know, if that if GDPR stops that spam email and we all focus in on creating quality content like you're trying to do here. Yeah, I think that can only benefit uh, the industry as a whole. Yeah. yeah. So, no, no, I think I think you're right. And I think yeah, people are going to have to really adjust to, as you said, to, to actually putting out meaningful and, 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 and the right the right content. Um, what, what I wanted to, to ask you, I'm always curious to ask Rex to Rex this, Dalton. I'd love to get your perception of this, especially in the markets that you recruit for. I mean, what when when someone like me is in the UK and thinks, you know what, I'd actually love the opportunity to get into the USA market and all that, what what are the sort of key things that they should be looking out for in that USA recruitment business uh, that are sort of good things that they should look for? Uh, that make it feel like the right move or positives that yeah that they should be looking for um that's a good question and i suppose the first thing is in any international move you want to make sure that you absolutely survive your first year and the first year is tough because you're 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 meeting new people you could be in a room full of people who are also strangers to each other as well because it's a relatively new business and it's a lot of expats and they become your friends. And so choosing, choosing the right business, the right team, the right desk, and obviously getting the right, the right package is sure. really, is really important. Um, and picking the right market that suits your skills. So like my, I got to start during the mining boom in Perth, like okay. doing, doing it and it was easy. Like it was, it was simple because all I had to do is turn up and do the work because the, the jobs were more or less there. The database was clean and I had a manager that took me through everything every day and made sure I didn't step out of line. And it, so I just stuck at it and made it happen. But then when I went to, when I went to Canada, Canada, it was completely the opposite. Uh, I went to a brand that wasn't known for what I was doing. Sure. The, mar- the market was crashing and there was no structure in the business. So it, it's very important finding finding the right business. Is sure. The first thing. Yeah. Sure. So it's so the right environment. I mean, how, so how, can, how can you really get, because I'm, I'm just super curious about this because this must be difficult. I mean, how, how can you get a real grasp of, of the, the right business if you're obviously you're, you're in the UK? I mean, is this all done through sort of Skype calls and video calls or do you, do you get the opportunity to go over there? I don't know how, how, yeah. It's a good question. Um, because we deal with a lot of UK recruitment companies, um, they'll generally have somebody in the UK to meet you. Um, okay, however, that's good. That's yeah. good. So usually it'll start with phone calls and, you know, quick phone calls just to suss you out. Um, yeah. And then, Obviously, I, I'll have done my due, due diligence. Yeah, of course. They get, of course. They get uh, yeah, that's that. a real important part of your job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But, you know, the, the good thing about that we have is if if we pick somebody up from a good, good, well-known UK recruitment company, we can take for granted that they've been interviewed and they've gone through all that process. And if they've survived their two years, we we know that they're going to be OK, at least. And then once we get into the interview process, we can either tell if they're OK or if they're good. Yeah, sure. So, okay. and then, That's um, so then, yeah, so then second stage would be Skypes um, and maybe that might be a third stage as well. And then usually you might get to speak to the team and stuff over yeah, there. I think that's after a that. good thing. I think that's a good thing. And then final stage is 
you'll either have to go down to London or Manchester or wherever the client is based and, uh, and do a face-to-face uh, in front of the business owner. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Okay, that's super interesting. So I wanted to ask you this question, daughter, because I think more and more people should seriously consider a career in recruitment just because I think there's so many skills mm-hmm. that that you can you, that you gain that you learn that you can apply in all areas of your life so I mean how do you think we can get more people to because a lot of people say they fall into it don't they and, and I, I wanted to get into recruitment so I mean how do you think we can get more people to seriously consider a career in recruitment um, I suppose you have to take out the salesy element of it and because okay. not not everybody wants to be under pressure all of the time. Of course. So, and that means I mean it, it means changing the industry as a whole. Um, not everybody's designed for it. So I I honestly don't know if we need more people to get into the industry. Okay, that's interesting. Um, you know, there's there's more than enough recruiters out there. We just need to get the people who are doing it better at it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I know. To be fair, I, I think that, I think that's a fair point. Um, I just think I just think there's I don't know. I just think there's so much value from getting into the industry. What would from, you from do? What, sorry. What would you change? <laughs> what would I change? I think for me, which is why I've started this, and and I think that also why I started my blog is to to actually put out a, a real narrative and, yeah. and a real perspective. I think that I think that um, you're not really going to know what recruitment is like until you start. I get that. However, I think that sort of really pulling back from the perception of recruitment is a very easy way of making quick cash. Is uh, all about taking your clients out for fancy dinners. Is all about going networking events all the time, and w- we do do that. But obviously, there's so much hard work that goes into it, as you know. So I think it's I think it's just sort of putting out the the sort of real narrative out there as to what you can gain from recruitment long term, the skills that you can gain, the money that you can gain, and what you can learn. Um, and yeah, basically. So I think just more of putting out a true narrative is what is what I think would. would but yeah, I think basically. I think I think also on that on that point of the narrative. You know, lots of people get hired into the industry who shouldn't be hired into the industry. Yeah, yeah, and 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 because of that, then people get then they get disgruntled. Their clients do, their candidates do. Yeah, it it's really tough, and it's one of the reasons we don't do entry level recruiters. Really, that's interesting. If I was to meet somebody on the street, I couldn't tell tell you if you'd survive in recruitment or not. But if I speak to an experienced recruiter, I can tell if they've got the passion for it and if they really want it and if they're good at it. But I've met I've met so many different personality types. Yeah, there's so, that it, yeah, there's not there's not a secret recipe, is there? There really isn't. There's not, and and fair play to anybody who does who does the grad recruitment because uh, I just wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> That's fair enough. Again, again, it's coming back knowing your strengths and 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 those sorts of things. So that that that's interesting. So look, daughter, the last question that I wanted to ask you, the last question. Okay. So, and I'm going to start. Uh, I've started asking this sort of to, to all my guests now so basically if you could say one sentence to every recruiter all right and uh it was guaranteed they'd listen and, and they'd take it on board what, what do you think you'd say what comes to mind
Uh, don't leave your job in the first year. Nice. Solid advice. To get stick it out. Stick it out. Yeah. Because, and I say that because it really takes 18 months to get into the swing of it. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and I see it a lot, you know, where I've, I've people who've, who've, who've had three jobs in three years and, and, you know, they try and justify it. But part of, part of being really good at this is the resilience piece. And, 100%. And you really need, like, there, it's not, it's, like, there's amazing times in it and it's given me a lot. But it's it's also been tough, and it's it, it's a very challenging thing to do for a living. So you're, challenging because you're dealing with somebody's decision making processes on both ends of the coin. I mean, a car is not going to decide to not sell itself. So yeah. it, it's really difficult. And having this having that resilience piece is uh, is the most important thing. And it's one of the things that my clients look at more than anything is did did the person survive like at least eighteen months. Mm. No, I think, I think that's great advice. And I think, I, I, I honestly, I really, really, really believe that recruitment is a long game. And like a lot of things in life, it's a long game. We're here for the long term. And I think that it's that instant gratification piece that, that yeah, you, you've got to stick it out longer than 12 months. Um, and yeah, I think, that, I think that's great advice. So look, Dorsa, basically, look, thank you so much for your thoughts. Um, look, what, before we go, what, what what's going on? In, in your business then and what are you excited about at the moment then as you said you've got a lot of stuff going on in the USA what, what's going on in, in your world so inspired by yourself I'm, I'm going to set up my own podcast nice and uh, it's going to be called the Recruiter Abroad podcast where I'm going to interview uh, a lot of my contacts and contacts of contacts who are UK recruiters who are going to be based all around the world brilliant just to give you a real insight into into what it's like in those marketplaces. So I think don't... I think what a great idea, and I think as as I said, which is why I think everyone who works in the UK always sometimes have that thought of, wow, what, wouldn't it be great if I could do this in another country? And uh, I think I think that, that that's great. So where, when's that starting, daughter? When when are you kicking that off? So I've lined up twenty guests. Um, have you? Yeah. So nice. And uh, yeah, so I just want to. Uh, just want to probably start recording and then then see how we go really yeah brilliant love that is there anything else something i think i'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about that and uh listening to those so what, what what anything else going on or well look i'm always looking to speak to good uk recruiters and banking finance engineering who want to go abroad okay. especially especially to the usa um, Singapore and New Zealand are all really hot right now. Nice, they're the sweet spots. Okay, cool. Well, look, Dulce, how can uh, how can people connect with you then, buddy? What how uh, how can people find you? Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, I'm the rector act with the weird name. <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right. Well, look, I'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes. Um, Dulce, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to uh, looking out for your podcast. Yeah, brilliant. Nice. And, uh, and well done on yours. Thanks a lot. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.